0: At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. If you would, please take out the Word of God and turn in it in the New Testament to the book of 1 Corinthians and then find your way to chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Today is the second message in a series we began last week that we entitled The Power of Love, where we're looking at 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 to 7. Now, last time we looked at the first part of this, which we said is a focus of Paul in the first three verses of talking about the indispensability of love. And we saw last week that love is a key to having a fruitful spiritual life. We also saw that in these verses, Paul is basically laying out for us a spiritual mathematics formula. You remember that? And here is that spiritual mathematics formula Everything minus love equals what? Nothing, exactly. We learned last time that when we lack love, there is really nothing we can do in our spiritual life that impresses God. And so we looked at the first part of this and the indispensability of love last time. Today we're going to move to the second part of this section of Scripture where we're going to begin to look at the character of love in verses 4 to 7. We could say, we're going to look at the anatomy of love. We're going to answer the question, what is love? And you know, when you think about our culture and that little question, what is love? Well, all kinds of answers are put forth. Here's one person's answer to that question. Love is six people in a car for 3,000 miles. You know, and you can just pick up on the slight hint of sarcasm in that little statement. Six people in a car for 3,000 miles. You know, what's interesting is in our culture, when I think we hear ourselves in general talking about love, if you get observant about it, If you think about what you hear, you realize there's an air of fuzziness out there. There's an air of fogginess out there about what love is. Things are a little bit hazy when it comes to understanding what love is. For example, someone might say, I love my sweetheart, I love my children, I love the Lord. And then someone like Robert Duvall in 1979 in the Vietnam War movie Apocalypse Now makes this statement, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Yeah, don't, don't you see how this is a little fuzzy and a little hazy? I love my sweetheart. I love my children. I love the Lord. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I mean, there's just something weird going on here. cake. I love finishing a task. I love the Magnolia Network. I love homemade ice cream. And some of us who are younger would say, I love BTS. I love them. And some of you who are maybe a little older going, BTS? Who is BTS? Well, BTS is the Korean boy band. Just this week, I went to look at their official video for their song, Dynamite. And I gotta admit, that's a pretty dynamite video. But why do we have this kind of fog, this strange fog when we talk about love and you have all these different kinds of expressions? Why the fog? Why the fuzziness? And I think part of the reason why there is a fogginess and a fuzzy sort of hazy idea about love is the imprecision of the English language. You know, in English, we have one word for love. And because we have one word for love, that is why we can mix the ideas of loving children, loving chocolate cake, loving the smell of napalm in the morning. It's because we just have one word for love. The New Testament is written in the Greek language, and in the Greek language, there are a number of words for love. I want to take a moment just to highlight three of the words for love in the Greek language, which is the New Testament language. And so the first word for love that they have in the Greek language is the word Eros, E R O S. And Eros has a focus on the passion dimension of love. In the Greek language, Eros is the most emotional expression of love it's feeling oriented you know eros love focuses on pleasure and focuses on attraction and here's what's interesting about eros love that has this passion dimension to it is that eros love ebbs and flows ebbs and flows and that is usually why when you hear somebody say I don't love her anymore. I don't love him anymore. This is really the kind of love that they're talking about. I don't feel that passion for them, that attraction to them, that pleasure for them. Now, what's interesting about this particular word in Greek, it never occurs in the New Testament. Doesn't mean that God is not concerned for the design in marriage that he brought to have some passion and pleasure and attraction. He, he wrote a whole book about that in the book of the Song of Solomon, or sometimes called the Song of Songs. But that particular word is not used in Scripture. Now, there is a second word, Greek word for love, and that is the word phileo, P H I L E O. And Phileo has a focus on the affection and friendship dimension of love. Phileo love is is very relational. It involves loyalty. And different from eros, this one does occur in the New Testament. If I counted correctly, the verb occurs 25 times. The noun occurs 29 times. And a related term... The term in Greek, Philadelphia, it's actually a Greek word, occurs six times. Where do we hear of Philadelphia in our culture? Well, we have a city in Pennsylvania called Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's sort of this idea of phila- oh, this affection and friendship dimension. And we see this in the New Testament. You remember the story of Mary... Martha and Lazarus, they were friends with Jesus. And you remember at one point in the story, Lazarus becomes seriously ill. And so Mary and Martha send a message to Jesus. And in that, Jesus, in that message to Jesus, they say this, Lord, he whom you love, phileo, is ill. The one, your buddy Lazarus, who you have affection and friendship for, is ill. And then in Titus 3.15, Paul says, greet those who love us in the faith, who phileo us in the faith, who have affection for us as missionaries, who are friends with us as missionaries. And so this is the second term for love that I'm highlighting today from the Greek New Testament language. There is a third one I want to talk about which is the word agape, A-G-A-P-E. And the focus of agape is on the action dimension of love. So you see the passion dimension, you see the affection, friendship dimension, and then you have the action dimension of love. Now, this particular verb for love, or word for love, occurs, if I count it correctly... The verb 143 times in the new testament the noun 116 times in the new testament and there may be a few times where phileo and agape might be interchangeable but here's what is really interesting to me that under the inspiration of the holy spirit the new testament authors enhance and deepen that particular word for love they begin to bring out and develop this idea of agape love as sacrificial action and self-sacrifice. See, agape love is not rooted in what I feel. It is rooted in what I do. It's not rooted in what you feel. It is rooted in what you do. It's not mere sentiment. It's not fluffy. It's not mushy in any way at all. And it is frequently commanded. You cannot command passion. You cannot command affection. But you can command action. And that's exactly what we see in the New Testament. Jesus says to his disciples, Here is my commandment. I am commanding you... (laughs) Love one another. Agape. Love one another. Ephesians 5.22. Paul commands the husbands. Husbands, love your wives. It's an action dimension of love. Now, what is really interesting is that every time you see the word love in your English Bible in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, that is agape love that is being mentioned. So here's the idea. If I am called, or we are called to love our husband, to love our wife, to love our children, to love our brother, to love our sister, to love our parents, to love one another, to love our neighbor, to love our fellow students, and even as Jesus takes it, to love our enemies... How can we do it if we don't understand what love is? And so I want to share with you a definition of New Testament love. I have shared this definition before. But here's a great definition of New Testament love. It is a commitment of my will to your needs and your best interest regardless of the cost. It's great to get a grip on that a commitment of my will to your needs and best interest regardless of the cost I want you to look at that definition and realize that is how Jesus loved us it was a commitment of his will to our needs and best interest that brought him to this planet Regardless of the cost to him personally, that is how Jesus loved us. And that, men and women, is how Jesus loves us right now. So, our source of information when it comes to love (laughs) is not my thoughts about it, it's not your thoughts about it, it's not some sort of collective opinion. We pull the American people. What is love? And we know so many percent of the people said this. No, we're not, that's not what we're doing. The source of our information about love is this book. It's God's word. How can we consistently love if we don't understand what love is. Now, I like to get practical, so let's get practical. What does love really look like? How is love to be expressed in my life? And so what we want to do is we want to zoom in, begin to zoom in in chapter 13, verses four to seven on the character of love. If you have your Bibles open, I wanna reread. Chapter 13, verses 1 to 7. Follow along as I'm reading. Paul writes and says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now let your eyes go back and just sort of look over verses 4, 5, 6, and 7, where we have this description of love, and I want you to realize that those are all verbs, Those are all verbal forms. That's because this is the action dimension of love. He's not making an appeal to emotion here. He's showing us that love is action. All verbs that are here. What that means is it's possible to love, hear me here, even if our feelings have waned, that is why it can be commanded. You know, um, we raised four kids in our house, and some of them were interested in sports, and, and some of them were not so interested in sports. And I had the privilege as a dad of of coaching uh, some of my kids who were interested in sports from when they were very, very little. And our youngest in our family was Jennifer. And I remember when I had the opportunity to take little Jennifer and her friends and to coach their peewee softball team. And, you know, you want your peewee girls softball team to, to be an effective team. And so basically you say, well, what did you say to them? Well, here's basically what I said to them. Hey, how many of us want to be an effective team? You know? Okay, here's what's going to happen. If we're going to be an effective team, we need to do this. And we had several things we were talking about. If we're going to be an effective team, we do not do this. Some of the common things that you see people at that age bracket and that kind of sport doing. If we're going to be effective, there's some things we need to do. If we're going to be effective as a team, there's going to be some things that we don't do. And that is very parallel to Paul's approach when he wants to communicate to us about being effective at love. And as we unpack this character of love, we begin to do it today. We're going to get introduced to the 15 aspects of love that he brings up. Seven of them are positive. This is what love does. Eight of them are more negatively cast. This is what love does not do. So if we're going to be effective in being a person who loves other people, he's saying there's some things you need to know. This is what love does. This is what love does not do. Now, all of that we've covered so far is the introduction to this morning's message we're going to be looking at. We're going to begin to look at the first two of these 15 aspects of love. So that is the plan. Should we continue on or should we just close in prayer right now? Anyone want to continue on? Okay, let's continue on. First thing we learn, love is patience. Agape is patient. We could translate that, love is long-suffering. Some of the the versions of the Bible have it that way. Love is patient, it's long-suffering, it is patient with people. Not particularly focused here on being patient in life circumstances, but being patient with people. Now I think it's good for us all to be transparent. You know, we may live in the most impatient generation in all of human history. I mean, we are addicted to immediate response. You know, we need to cook something. We put it in the microwave and we set some time. And then if we get it out and it's not heating up enough, we get frustrated with it. You know? We have high-speed internet. We want to stream things. And And we get frustrated if it buffers a little bit. What in the world is going on? Why is it doing that? You know, we have fast food establishments. And we're used to, you know, pulling up in our car. We roll down the window. This is what I want to order. Boom, 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 boom. And then we get over to the window and it's not quite ready. And what are we doing? What is the problem? It's taken them so long. You see, we are addicted to immediate response in our culture. And here's what I think happens. Because we are so addicted to immediate response, it bleeds over into our relationships. Bleeds into our relationships. We don't tend to be patient with people. Being patient means that we're slow to be resentful, we're slow to take offense, we're slow to explode into flames. That's what love is. Proverbs 19.11, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is a glory to overlook an offense. You see, love is patient Patience is the opposite of retaliation. It is the opposite of vengeance. It's the, it's the opposite of road rage. You know, people get involved in road rage. One thing you know, the patience of love wasn't involved anywhere, right? Notice what it says in Colossians 3.12. As God's chosen ones, who's that addressing? Us. Us holy and beloved, what should we do? Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and there's our word, patience, patience. As God's chosen ones, that's what we should be displaying in our life in relationship to the people around us. And what is really interesting about this verse in particular, when he talks about patience here, he actually goes on and he expands some thoughts about that in the rest of the section When he goes, we are to, again, be putting on compassion, hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, what does that really mean? Bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, not that anyone here would ever have a complaint against anyone, but theoretically, if we did, anyone who has a complaint against another, what are we to do? Forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Now being patient is not a call at all to being patient with people. is not a call to enable somebody. You know, to enable somebody with a deep sin pattern, to enable someone who is abusive in some ways. If that's what we're dealing with, we need to get some wise counsel about dealing with deep patterns of sin and dealing with abuse. What does it mean when he says love is patient, that is patient with people? It means that we put up with people's idiosyncrasies and their quirks. If we are around any person long enough, what happens? We become aware of their quirks. We become aware of their weaknesses. We become very aware of their failures. We become aware of their shortcomings. And the truth is that all of us, at times, are slow to learn. All of us, at times... Are forgetful. All of us at times become fearful. All of us at times say the wrong thing. You see, quirks, weaknesses, failures, shortcomings are a normal part of relationships. They are a normal part of marriage. But what's the tendency of our flesh? And I say that because I just know myself. Tendency of our flesh, when we see these kinds of things, quirks, weaknesses, failures, shortcomings, is to become irritated, quick to be irritated, quick to be critical, quick to nag on and rag on somebody else. You are too loud. You always give your opinion. You're too quiet. You're so hard to talk to. You are too moody, too easily discouraged. You are too strong. You never admit that you have weaknesses. You know, years ago, it was very popular to have this little pin that had a series of letters across it. This goes back several decades, I think. And that pin had written these letters, P B P W M. G-I-N-T-W-M-Y. Anyone ever remember one of those kind of buttons? Not too many people remember them. I'm older than I appear, apparently. <laughs> P-B-W-M-G-I-N-T-W-M-Y stands for Please Be Patient With Me. God is not through with me yet. What is interesting about that pin when it was out, we're, we're very quick to pin that on ourselves. Would, would you please be patient with me? God's not through with me yet. And yet we're not so quick to pin that on other people. Love is patient. And God sets the standard for us. Look at what it says in Psalm 103.8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in what? Instead, fast love. God sets the standard for us when it comes to love. Look at 1 Timothy 1.16. I love this passage. Paul says, I receive mercy for this reason, that in me Jesus Christ might display his perfect, there's our word, Patience. That in me, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience, and here we go, as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Do you see how this works? God sets the pace. God wants to display his patience in our life for what reason? To be an example for us who follow him. His patience is an example for us. Here's what's important. The key to love is our focus. You see, if we focus on other people's shortcomings, on their quirks, on their weaknesses, on their failures, what happens? I get angry. I get critical. I complain. If we focus rather on how the Lord Jesus Christ relates to me, how he bears with me with long suffering, how he is patient with me, then it's easier for me to be patient with other people. He sets the pace for us. So, you notice I have up on the screen a blank is patient. So what I want you to think about doing is inserting your own name in the blank. See, we're not just doing this for an intellectual exercise. Part of the reason why we're going through this is we want the spirit of God to just touch us where we might need to be touched about something we need to alter a little bit in our attitudes. Bruce is patient. Is that fit? Is it fit for your name to go in there? Second thing we want to look at is that love is kind. Agape is kind. And I think this grows out of a patient, long-suffering heart towards other people. Ephesians 4, 32. A commandment, be kind, there's our word, to one another. I like the way J.B. Phillips translates the phrase, love is kind. He translates it in his translation this way. Love looks for a way of being constructive. Love looks for a way of being constructive constructive the idea of being kind is being pleasant and gracious to other people someone who is kind bestows goodness on others someone who's kind extends blessings to others you know it was a number of years ago that i first came across a pastor who's written a number of books his name is alexander strock and uh, i love his books are very biblical very helpful and everything that Alexander Strock has published, I would always buy. And I was at a Bible conference one time when you come to the break time, you know, and they have those, those tall little tables there, cocktail tables, you know, and you go out there and you grab a Coke or something. And so I'm, I'm standing at this cocktail ta- table with my little drink, and there's a guy across from me, and we just introduced one another. I said, hi, I'm Bruce Hess. And he said to me, hi, I'm Alexander Strock." I knew immediately who it was. It was like, dude. <laughs> I love your books. It's so cool. He's just a great biblical thinker. But here's, here's something that he has said about kindness. He said, kindness is a readiness to do good, to help, to relieve burdens, to be useful, to serve, to be tender, and to be sympathetic to others. And then he says this, and I like this. It has been said, kindness is love in work A cool statement. Kindness is love in work clothes. You know what I I think is true of kindness? Kindness is a universal language. You can be with people and not really understand how to communicate with them, but kindness is a universal language. And again, God sets the pace here. God sets the pace for us. Look at what it says in Ephesians 2.7. It talks about the immeasurable riches of his grace here we go, in kindness towards us. He sets the pace, the kindness that he extends to us. You know, there was a guy in the first century by the name of Publius Sirius. By the way, if any of you gals are pregnant and expecting a son, name you might want to consider would be Publius. You don't have to worry about anybody else in school ever having the name of Publius. It's an unusual name. But in the first century, this guy Publius Syrus said this. You can accomplish by kindness what you cannot accomplish by force. Good thought. Love is kind. What does it really mean? Well, it means it can be expressed in kind deeds. Kind deeds, especially when they are undeserved are very powerful John Wesley set out this guideline in this whole area he said this do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can That's, that's some great stuff Now, let me give you the the Bruce paraphrase of all of that. Here it is. Mug others with kindness. Mug others with kindness. And here's a key question we can always ask. And that key question is, what can I do to help? And that is a question for every age. You might be only this tall a great question to ask is, what can I do to help? So just think about it for a moment. Reflect on it. When was the last time you did something for someone without being asked? Well, love does kind deeds without being asked. Love mugs people with kindness. And not only kind deeds, but also kind words. Proverbs 16, 24. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and healthy for the body. Now again, I, I'm assuming many of you are just like I am, so that's the reason why I say some of the things that I say because I know what I'm like. See, see the tendency I have is to at least give three times at least more complaints and criticisms as I do compliments And so it makes me think this, what kind of a difference would it make between parents and their children if there were more kind words extended to our children? What kind of difference would it make if there were more kind words coming from our children to our parents? What if there were more kind words being exchanged between brothers and sisters? What if there were more kind words being communicated between a husband and a wife? And by the way, I want to say this. Kind words are most effective when they're least expected. Kind deeds and kind words. Now remember what our focus needs to be. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another. Yes, that's what we should be. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Here is the big, small word as God in Christ forgave you. See, our kindness that we extend, whether it's kind deeds or kind words, our focus is how has God extended that to me? By the way, a big part of kindness is a willingness to forgive. So, blank is kind. Bruce is kind does your name fit in the blank? Would anyone start laughing, you know, if you put your name in the blank? Now, I want you to understand, as we have been going through this today, we have just started, just started to unpack these aspects of love. Lord willing, we will continue that next week. But I do want to talk about some life response, two vital perspectives I think we need to have coming out of our time today. And the first one is this, love is not something we crank out in our own strength. We're not being called to that. See, that is why God has given to everyone who is a follower of Jesus, who's trusted in him, the person of the Holy Spirit who resides inside of us. It is the Holy Spirit who will help to empower us, the Holy Spirit who will help to energize us. It's not me just cranking it up, it's me relying on the Spirit of God working in my heart to change my heart and to change my practice. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit being unleashed in our life is what? Love, agape, Joy, peace, here we go, are two terms from today, patience and kindness. So we're not asking you to go home and just crank it up. We're asking you to say, you know what, this is why I need to be reliant upon the Holy Spirit of God every day of my life. Second perspective that is really important is to remember is that our model and motivator is God's love for us. That means, men and women, we need to be rehearsing that, we need to be reviewing that, we need to be refreshing our perspective with that. Our model and motivator is God's love for us. And so what it tells me is that when we are failing to be patient, when we are failing to be kind, we become disconnected to what God has done for us. Rehearse it, review it, let it refresh your heart. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather around it today. And Lord, we wanna just be doing more than an intellectual exercise here. We wanna be doing a personal review. How can you use your truth to change our hearts? How can we be men and women who can allow our names to go in those blanks? Blank is patient. Blank is kind. Transform us, we pray, for your honor and for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.